Jason. Hello. Good morning, everybody. If this is your first time here, um, this chair isn't for effect. It's out of necessity. And uh, about seven weeks ago, I uh, ruptured my Achilles tendon playing soccer. And uh, just a reminder that I am not as young as I used to be. And for the past seven weeks, I've not been able to put weight on my, uh, my right leg. And so I wanted to give you an update as well. I'm encouraged. Uh, this upcoming Thursday, I should be able to get my cast off and should be able to get in a walking boot where I'll be able to actually to walk and put weight on it. So I appreciate uh, all of the, the prayers and all the consideration uh, for many of you. I've had meetings with some of you, and it's a great meeting where you're like, yes, I'd love to meet with you, and could you pick me up and, and drive, and then could you drop me back off my house? So I've appreciated all the people that have really flexed and, and gone out of their way. Uh, but in the midst of this, God, God is still good, and uh, he uses things like this to remind us uh, that despite trouble and inconveniences, uh, we still choose our attitudes, and so at times I've had a really good attitude, and then at other times... I have not. And it's just a reminder how much I need. I need God in the midst of, of life. Uh, and here, here at Church in the Valley, uh, like Barry said, uh, we, we're really glad that, that you're here. Uh, we welcome all of you. And if this is your first time, uh, you, you found us in the middle of a message series called Box Office Wisdom. And we have uh, two more weeks, including uh, today. And in this series, which we usually do each summer, we look at the summer hits uh, summer movies and kind of determine what, what, what do they say about life? And if you're a fan of movies or you're not, um, when you see movies, there's an entertainment factor that exists. And I appreciate that. I actually like to be entertained. I like to go to the movies. I like that whole experience. But the other thing about movies that's true is that they actually have a message to them. And each movie has a message. Uh, even a, a movie about nothingness is a message in itself. And so in the kind of result of this series, what we've been trying to do is not just critique the movies, because that's really not what we want to spend our time doing. While some are better than others, we actually want to look at what does this movie say about how life actually works? Uh, Is it true? And for us, as Christ followers, the way we know something is true is we actually have to go back to God's word. Uh, The Bible, the scriptures, is what guides us. And it has a picture of reality and how it works. And so the course of the series, we've been pulling messages out and not just saying, is this true based on our experience or is it true based on what we've heard or is it true based on what we see? But is it actually true based on what God says is true? And that's the key for all of us who decide to follow Christ. It's really this understanding that I'm actually going to live by what you say is true. And that's a real shift because that means we actually have to maybe deny our own opinions of things. And maybe look at things differently. And that's what following Christ is all about. It's following him and actually the things that weren't important to you before you followed him become important. And the things that were important to you become less important. And it's really that the battle of that over the course of your life, trying to choose the things that God wants us to choose, what he values. And so that's what we've been trying to do. Kind of take a look at what these movies are saying about how life works and then kind of compare and contrast. And today... And we're going to be talking about Terminator, uh, Terminator Genesis. And it's like continuation of the franchise that was started in the 1980s. Um, lots of people haven't seen the first one, but 
probably many of you remember Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I think term, this is just, this is like off script. Okay. Terminator 2, I think, was the first rated R movie I ever saw in the movie theater. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was. It was like one of those movies where like, that is ahead of its time. And it just was, I think I was in fifth grade. And I really appreciated my parents at the time. Like, I just kept begging them, let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go, let me go. And I have kids now, and I'm like, what were they thinking? There's no way my kids will go. Amazing how that works. But anyways, uh, you may have kind of experienced uh, kind of some of the, the Terminator 2. And it's like Terminator 2 was like the height, and then like there were others. And I haven't seen this, and you haven't either, because it's actually not released yet. So here's the beauty of talking about a message that's not come out. I don't really know exactly what it's all about. So don't take this message and then go to the movies and then send me a, like, a really angry email. I have an idea there's like robots and humans, and they're going to battle against each other. And actually, that is the premise of the, the Terminator franchise. It's this idea that this artificial intelligence was created by man, but then the artificial intelligence become kind of independent of man. And they now want to be the boss and destroy all humans. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about the root of the Terminator plot, this idea of, I got this, like independence. So that's what we're going to talk about. Before we do, I just want to kind of catch you up on where we've been the last few weeks. We kicked off the series talking about the movie Entourage, which is based on the, the series. And we've been looking at these themes. And these themes are kind of worldview. And a worldview is something like, this is how you think life works. For the most part, this is how you see life works. So entourage, the, the worldview is YOLO. You only live once. Whatever you do, it has to kind of be with, behind the premise of you only live once. So choose this. You only live once. So don't choose this. And we talked about that. Uh, we then talked about Jurassic World, which was follow your dream. Whatever you do in life, make sure you have a vision for how your life can count and then follow that no matter the cost. And we talked about that. And then last week, we talked about inside out. Just follow your heart. And we talked about emotions and how emotions really play a role in determining direction for us. And the fact that all of us are driven by emotions. I am, you are. And they can be things that we pay attention to or things that we try to ignore, but they're very powerful. So we talked about that. So today we're talking about I got this. The idea of I can handle it. I'm an individual. I'm independent. But before we jump into that, I want to show you the trailer for the movie. John, you can do this. You just go and you don't look back. My whole life I prepared my son to lead humanity in the fight against the machine. This night we take back our world! There was one thing I could never prepare him for. Machines tried to rig the game, send a Terminator back to the time before the war, kill my mother. I'll go back. Let me save her. Over a decade. We. The 
on the matter. It is nice to meet you. I've been trying to teach him to blend names. I know it needs work. John. Hi, Mom. How can you be here? What have they done to my son? Survival is what you taught me. Get out. Not machine. Not man. I'm born. I can't believe it. Whatever they did to John, we need to reverse it. Everything's changed. We are humanity's last hope. Load up. I've been waiting for you. You've got to get him off me! I'll be back. What? So as, as far as uh, adrenaline, oh, don't show that yet. That was a little, that's a little teaser. <laughs> Let's pray. Just <laughs> uh, as far as uh, adrenaline, um, that's probably the most you're going to experience in this next 30 minutes or so. Uh, but in that, you, you see a, a few themes and um, the idea of survival, and we're, we're the last chance for survival. And then another phrase in there that kind of, epitomizes this kind of Terminator franchises, you know, we're not machine, we're not man. There's this kind of idea, well, what, what are we? We're something that's unique. And there's just power plays that, that, are, that are always existing. And so, uh, as you saw right there, the next slide, uh, this is a little pit collage of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who plays the Terminator 2 poster there on the right. That's the, the movie that was the most popular. And that's really where he became really, really famous. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a, a bodybuilder, a Mr. Universe, a movie star, a governor of California, and all sorts of things. So really, Arnold is the poster child for this concept of, of I got this. He, he really actually lived a life that he saw some things that he wanted to do and accomplish, and he did it. So I just wanted to tie that in because in real life, Arnold really has kind of had this attitude about his own life, like... I'm going to reach for my dreams. I'm going to reach for the vision I have, and, and I'm going to accomplish some things. And he's actually done far more with his life than many of us would ever think we could do. And, you know, you have a picture like that in the middle, and you're like, I'm not worthy. You know, just a part. It's Arnold is Arnold. He's in his own category. But this, this idea of I got this is, is rooted in the idea of individualism which is really kind of rooted in the idea of independence. And we all long for independence, even from a young age. We want to be independent of parents, and we can rebel. Uh, at our workplaces, we want to be independent, usually from the authority over us. Uh, there's kind of a premise that we all have that's in our hearts, which I, I want to be left alone to do what I want to do. But I got this is kind of the idea of no matter what I face, I can handle it. No matter what... I experience, I'm going to take care of it. And not only that, but I'm going to 
be who I, I want to be. And here's some quotes from Arnold, which I thought was interesting, which shows his, his own worldview of life. And I'm not picking on Arnold. I'm just showing that really this is something that is a part of the American dream. Uh, Arnold moved from Austria and he became a person that moved to the United States, which he, he wanted to make it. He wanted to live this American dream that he had been told about. Here are some things he said. I knew I was a winner back in the late 60s. I knew I was destined for great things. People will say that kind of thinking is totally immodest. I agree. Modesty is not a word that applies to me in any way. I hope it never will. I think to be a bodybuilder, it's hard to be modest. Uh, another thing he said, the mind is the limit. As long as the mind can envision the fact that you can do something, you can do it. As long as you really believe 100%. So he's lived his life like this and he's actually experienced a lot of success. And then last, he says, the worst thing I can be is the same as everybody else. I hate that. Saying, I, I got this. I've been given my life and I want to be unique. And none of us would like to be like anybody else, really. We maybe don't want to stick out that much, but we don't want to be exactly like somebody else because we, we do have value. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about where does our value actually come from? Not where we think it comes from, but where does it come from and what does God have to say about that? But before, there's like one other Arnold quote, which is like his most famous. Okay, show that. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Okay, so you just, just need a little inspiration. That's from Predator. Total guy movie. Don't recommend it. <laughs> Watch that probably too young as well. Um, but anyways, this, this idea of I got this, I don't know. Have you heard that before? I've actually said that myself like playing soccer. I got this. <laughs> too soon, even for myself. But, you know, you, you're up against something like I got this. Like you're going to do it. Like, I can overcome. There's a wall in front of me. I'm going to blow through it. I got this. But really, in this worldview, it's, it's more than just we can overcome. There's a lot to it. So we're going to talk about that. But I got this is really the idea that I am the center of the universe and I will prove my value. Now, when you say that, people aren't thinking all the time that that is true. But really, at the core of I got this is that's the idea. That's the worldview in itself. I'm the center. Really, I'm the center of it all. My own life, my own experience, my own self. This is how I experience it. I'm, I'm the center. And will prove my value. I'm going to show that I have value and I'm going to show it by doing a different things. So I, I have a chart on the PowerPoint. And it's also on your, your handout. You can follow along on that if you'd like. But here's a chart that kind of is a brief overview of individualism. Okay. Now, don't hear me saying in, being an individual is, is wrong because each of us have our own life and we have our own gifts. We have our own strengths. We have our own weaknesses. We have our own things that God's given us to do, our own responsibilities. So it's not like we're supposed to be just like everybody else. But again, there's more to the idea than just I'm the center of the universe. So if you really live this out to its logical conclusion, like I got this in every sense, I got this in my relationships. I got this in my work. I got this in my problems. I got this in my future. I got this in my past. If that is really the way that we choose to live, this, this is what it means. So here's life questions. And these questions we all ask. First, what's life all about? Well, as an individual, if 
that's your whole purpose, just being an individual, uh, being happy, doing great things, doing life my way. And the theme in the films is, is YOLO. So even the themes that we've talked about so far fit under the umbrella of I got this. They really actually fit under the idea of being an individual. So what's my life all about? Well, I want to experience fun, happiness, feeling good. Okay. Another question, what will make me happy? We all ask that. Individualism says my, my pleasure, again, feeling good. Uh, plans, my possessions, and my position. So the things that I want to do, the things that I do, the titles that I have, my own competence, those bring happiness. So I'm, I'm going to strive for those things. The theme in films are follow your dreams, follow your heart. It's the idea that make sure your plans are coming to fruition because this is what makes you you. If you don't reach for your dream, then you can't really be you. So you can't really be the individual that you want to be. So it's kind of rooted in the same thing. And then the last thing is what gives me worth and meaning? So how do I have value? If I'm the center of my universe, uh, what gives me worth and meaning is my own efforts. Uh, authenticity, the idea of I, I'm going to be myself because I'm an individual. And then the affection and approval of others. If I think I get value by what I do, then I want to make sure people know that I'm valuable. And we can prove this in lots of different ways. And then the theme of movies is I got this, which we're talking about today. And then next week we're going to talk about I got to be me. But all of this fits under the umbrella of individualism. I am the center of my universe and I will prove my value. Now, the reason this is a concept that's so important is this idea and this theme actually appears in most movies. Individualism is probably one of the strongest pulls that exists in our culture right now. I'm an individual. I am the center. And I will prove my value. You see it again and again. We even root for this. When we see a movie where somebody rises against the people that are against them and they overcome it, it's, you, we usually don't think, man, I wish he would included his buddy. Right? We're just like, that's awesome. And it just kind of wells up in us, this idea of he accomplished something that no one could accomplish. And it just kind of brings a lot of Courage to us, which isn't bad. This is kind of the idea. Like, this is it. This is what life is all about. You fill your own cup. And then you drink it. You get to experience, get to experience it. But I, I just want to spend a couple minutes talking a little bit more about individualism. And kind of the roots and all the tentacles that exist with it. So individualism puts us in the God position. If you truly are the center of the universe, then, you, then you're God. Now, again, when people say, I got this, they're not thinking, I'm God, everybody. Okay, that would really weird people out. We don't say that. But, as a worldview, individualism, being the center of the universe, means that, that I am my own God. And in any worldview, who gets to be God is the most important question. Who gets to rule? Who gets to be king? Who gets to lead? The individual is the king in individualism, obviously, because they're the center of it all. So I'm the center of the universe. Uh, my goals justifies my means. Because based on that chart, that's the most important. I'm, I am my own moral conscience. 
If I believe it's right, it must be right. Why? Because I'm the center of the universe. Freedom and fulfillment are my right. Why? Because making myself happy is the most important. Because I'm the center of the universe. You, get, you kind of see how this keeps going back. Whoever's in the God position gets to decide how life should be lived. And if it feels good, you do it. Because it feels good. If it makes you happy, you do it. Because it makes you happy. Because I'm the center of the universe and I must prove my value. Which leads to the last idea. Performance defines our value. And you actually really see this in the Terminator movies. As they're trying to rise against the robots, you really only have value as you are accomplishing the mission. So every human that's involved in the movie only really is valuable as strong and as smart as they are. That kind of makes sense. If you have a mission, you want the best people to help you accomplish it. So performance and how you do in the movie is, is crucial. And so all this is kind of wrapped up in how we think about ourselves and how we think about others. Now, what I'm giving you is kind of the logical conclusion of this worldview. Many times we don't think of this specifically. But I know for myself, when I really kind of peel the layer backs back of certain decisions that I make, I really do find myself in the center of it. Like what makes me mad? What makes me happy? What makes me feel better about my relationship with God? What makes me feel worse? What makes me feel good about my relationships with others? What makes me feel worse? When I peel back the layers, most of the time it's me at the center of it. So this is real. This is a real pull. And the reason is this actually goes back to the beginning. And if you've read the Bible and if you've started at the book of Genesis at the beginning of the biblical account of God interacting with humans you find that this idea of individualism has existed since then. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but God created Adam and Eve. They were the first man and woman. And he gave them a job to do, which is, here's my creation, you take care of it. Here's everything I have given you. The animals take care of them. You've got enough food to eat. You've got enough purpose because I've given you purpose and enjoy life. But the one thing you can't do the one thing you can't do out of everything that you can do is eat from this one tree. And when you read the biblical account back in Genesis, you find that the enemy, the serpent, deceived Adam and Eve. Specifically, he told Eve, if you eat there, if you eat off that tree, not only is it okay, but you are going to be like God. So if you really kind of peel back and you kind of trace back history, this idea of being the center of the universe has existed since humanity was formed by God. And Adam and Eve chose to put themselves in the God position because what attracted them so much about that tree was the fact that they could have knowledge that God had. They wanted to be like God. And that really is the beginning of sin. I want to be the center. I want to be God. I want to call the shots. I want to define what's right. I want to define what's wrong. And that's really where it began to get all squirrely. And so since then, we've been really fighting against our value. 
how we have value. And we've been always dealing with this idea of how do I be good enough? How do I be strong enough? How will people like me? And again and again, this is a battle that that we all have. And we do this in a variety of ways. Self-improvement. All of us want to improve ourselves, And self-improvement's not bad. But when we get our value in our improvement, that begins when we get off track. So we want to look better. We want to be better. We want more skill. We want more knowledge. And in that, when we do these things, we feel like we're we're better. We've kind of added a notch for our value. Uh, We want success. Again, God didn't make us to be like, I want to be unsuccessful, God. He didn't make us like that. But when we look to success to prove our worth, to prove we have value again, we're in the God position. So money, status, popularity. The other thing is, if our performance determines our value, then do we want people to know that we have problems? We don't want anyone to know we have problems because problems means that we actually don't have it all together. If we don't have it all together, it means that there's some issues with me being the God of my own universe. So all this is, is true and it's in me and it's, it's in you. And it started really from the beginning from this idea of wanting to be the center of the universe, of wanting to call the shots. But here's the good news. That's not the end. And that's really why Jesus came. Because even as people were trying to get back to God, and even as people were trying to prove their worth again, and by doing this and not doing that, it still was empty. The value still wasn't there. And so what you find is the tug to want to perform and the tug to want to prove your worth is really the signal that we need help. It's really the cue. Okay, when I feel like I have to prove myself to others, when I feel like I have to please others, when I feel I have to make sure people know I have it together, these cracks I can cover up, that's the signal that that we need help. So if you experience, I'll, I'll put it bluntly, bluntly. If you sometimes feel like you're screwed up, that's actually really good for you. It's true. Because the one thing you have to realize as an individual when you're the center of the universe is how does that work? What is life like when we are in the God position? And I know for my own life, when I am trying to control things and I want things my own way, I actually, it's really good for me to experience what happens. And so if you feel messed up and you feel stressed out and you feel like you have problems, God has you exactly where he wants you. And he's inviting you back to put him in the God position. And what you find as you dig into the scriptures is really this picture of what biblical Christianity is. And in biblical Christianity, God is the true center of the universe. We can't define our own value. We were made by God. It's interesting. In the Terminator movie, the robots which were created decide that "Mm, I'm going to break from these humans that made us and now we're going to destroy them. 
That's actually a really great picture of this idea of independence. God made us, and we want to do the same thing. We want to rise and come against him. Because we want to be the center. If that's God's role, then how do we maneuver so he can no longer do that? But after time and experience, what people realize is that this really doesn't lead to the life that I thought it would. And again, that's good. Uh, Because we are made, we can't put an appraised value on ourselves. right? Nothing made can determine its own value. That comes from the one who made it. And that's what God did. He made us. So he can determine our value. And here's the greatest thing. An individual who wants to be the center of the universe, which we all do, we all want to call the shots. We're really trying to say, I have value. I'm important. Don't you see that I'm important? And we want to convince people of that, of how great we are. But what you find is when you actually turn back to God, he gives you value that you cannot manufacture. There's nothing that you can do that can give you the value that God gives you. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. We get value that we cannot create ourselves. That's the best news. Because we, have to, we can stop playing the games. And so you find this in the scriptures, especially in the book of Psalms. If you've never read the book of Psalms, it's in the middle of the Bible. You can up, open up to the middle and you should see it. And in there is a collection of poetry and, and songs. And there's really these, these expressions of people trying to kind of experience the frustration of life, but at the same time trying to keep God in the center of it. And you, you get happiness and you get sadness and you get just this multitude of experiences. But at the end of it, there's this kind of point. The writers are always pointing us to. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who made you. Don't forget your roots. That's what the Psalms do. And I wanted to share this Psalm with you because it's encouraging to me. And the writer of this is writing this poetry and, and he's just considering all these things and he's looking around and he's saying, look at all the stuff that you've made, God. And how can I... How can I have value? Because he's frustrated. How can I have value? Because I've screwed up and I've messed up. And this is what he says. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you take care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly, heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor you have given him dominion over the work, works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And then verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What I love about this is this is going back to the creation. Because when God created the beings, the animals, he gave man the job to be in charge of it. No other animal is in charge of another animal. That's our job as humanity. And so he's, he's made us a little lower than, it's like we're a little bit lower than the angels. We have this identity because God made us in his image. And we have a value that only he, he can give us. And his whole direction on value is not on our accomplishments. He doesn't say, look what I have done. Look what we have done. It says, look at what you have done. 
And in verse 9, it's this, this idea of snap out of it. Don't forget, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Seeing there, there's nothing greater. There's no one stronger. There's no one better. There is only one God. And we must turn back to him. That's just great perspective. He's the center of the universe. Why? Because he made it. Why do you make it? Because he's God. That's the truth. So the writer, and continually in the scriptures, you just find this idea that God gets to call the shots. That's what makes him God. He gets to define what's right. That's what makes him God. And any time we're having issues with that, it's really a wrestle of a deep heart problem, which is I want to be the center. The good news is God is so gracious. He teaches us. And we can experience him. And that's really what the Christian life is. It's not knowledge. And it's definitely not skill. It's experience. Doing life his way. In the arenas of life that we have. So how do I make decisions with the idea of, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name? How do I treat people? How do I look at my value in light of this? I want to close with another scripture because I think it kind of takes it further. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, we look at creation and you may look and say, well, I don't exactly know how these trees got here and I don't exactly know how this earth was formed. There might be a God, there might not be a God. And it can kind of be just in the factual quadrant of your mind. And that's okay. So sometimes even the idea of creation, you're not sure God is creator. You're not sure there is a God. But what you find is it has to move beyond a concept. And a relationship with God has to move beyond the facts that we can know. And the only way that we can actually trust that God can be God and we don't have to be is through experiencing him and getting to know him. This is what you find in the scriptures as well. Knowing Christ, knowing him, gives me value, not my accomplishments. I'm going to walk through a passage, and it's long, and I'm just going to briefly kind of walk through it, but this really kind of puts the focus in the right place. This is how to keep God in the God position, because here's the deal. You actually can't take God out of the God position. He is always God. And he's always there. But if you live life like he doesn't, there's a trajectory that we will go on that it's going to cause a lot of pain. So this is just the perspective that helps us to keep focus. And this is a book called Philippians. And the writer is Paul. And we read a lot of Paul because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament he actually was again against Christianity. He was a, a Jewish man, and he was religious, and he did all the right things. He said all the right things, and he actually came to kind of squash the Christian movement. He persecuted Christians. And God got a hold of him and said, you're not going to do that anymore. Why? Because he was God. And he didn't want him to do it anymore. And he didn't. And Paul turned from his life. And decided, I need to follow God, the one true God. And I need to follow him through Jesus Christ. He is the way. And so he really 
changed his life. And he's writing this letter to this new church that he started. What was happening to these new Christians were there was this group called the Judaizers. And they were saying that you really have to do all these things to be right with God. And the whole thing he experienced is I had done those things and I wasn't right with God. And so he's, he, in a way he was frustrated because these people were coming and kind of taking them back to the idea of you need to be the center of your universe. And so he uses some just strong language to kind of warn them. And, and this is what he says. Watch out for those dogs. I mean, that, that's just pretty raw right there. Watch out for those dogs. Those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. What they were teaching was, you can become a Christian, but for you to actually be true, you have to adopt the Jewish practice of circumcision. That's the only way you're going to be right. And Paul... And the gospel is saying it's through Christ alone, through faith in him, not by works. But they're saying, but you have to do this one good thing and you're going to be okay. And so he just flat, just watch out for those dogs. They're not speaking the truth. They're putting the emphasis on what will you do. It's not what you do. That's actually what you're being saved from thinking. It's what you do. And he goes on. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh... I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. He's saying, you want to prove your value? He's basically saying, as an individual, I'm a stud. As someone who has life altogether, I did. You want stuff? I had stuff. You want status? I had status. You want success? I experienced it. You want power? I had it. He's just showing his resume. You think it's about works? I have it. And he's just saying, I'm, I had it all together. I had it all together. And then he says this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Here's my resume. And I tear it up. Here's my resume. And I burn it. He explains why. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Saying our value is not on what you do. It's on what you say. It's not all the things that you try to prove your worth to God. It's not in all the things you try to prove your worth to others. He's saying it's knowing Him. Then he goes on in verse 9. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Following all the rules. Doing all the right things. Proving my worth. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, And it is by faith. And then verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. So he's taking status that he had, and he did. And he's taking success, and he's taking power, all the things that we really want. And he's saying, I'm trading those all in to know Christ. And to know Christ means I will share in his suffering. I trade in my individualism. I trade in me being the center of the universe to actually being somebody that is going to be ostracized, is going to be persecuted, is going to actually not be popular anymore, is actually going to seem like they don't have it together. At the core of all of us, this is like a gut check. Because when it comes down to us, to it, we all think so highly of ourselves. I know I do. I care what people think. I want to say the right things. I want to do the right things. I want to appear a certain way. What Paul is saying is, it's not about that. It's about me knowing Christ. Daily deciding that his ways are better than my ways. And I'm going to do what he says, not what I think. And so this is just a major line in the sand at about what life is all about. Because the idea of individualism is linked to the idea of as long as it makes them happy. And what Paul is saying is that that happiness is rubbish. It actually is not real. It's plastic. It's fake. The only happiness that comes is by knowing God, period. Not by doing anything else but by knowing Him. Period. Through faith. The idea of faith is you realize He will take care of you. And you recognize that knowing Him, you're deciding is better than all these other things. That's what faith is. Because there's the pull in us that we don't want to be ripped off. Because we want status and we want success. And there's this thing in all of us where if I remove me from the center of my life and I allow God to be the center, what if that life is not what I want? That's what faith is. It's the idea of you don't exactly know how it's going to turn out. But there's only one person that can be God of the universe, and it's God. So I want to encourage you. I want to wrap up with, with some next steps like we do every week. And sometimes it's easy to go through the motions, even like this, like, how many next steps should I check to feel better about myself? Right? So even the church, like, sometimes it's like, do all this and you'll be good. Only check one and you're bad. That's not what it's about. The idea is, what will I do with this? How will I think differently? Act differently. So the first thing is, if you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, we, we want to encourage you to do that today. If you are still the center of your universe and there's something that's tugging in you and you realize that that's actually not right and it's not what you thought it would be, then for the first time you can decide to follow him and you put him where he already is. But now you do it in your own life. So I encourage you to do that. The next is to take an inventory. This is just a spiritual inventory that kind of shows you where you're at. Questions like, what area of life do I feel good about? 
Like when you feel good about life, why do you feel good about life? What, what's going good and how do you know it's good? And then what, where do I feel like a failure? Are you beating yourself up about something and you feel like a failure? The reason I'm asking this is at the root of this, it kind of shows you what you're trusting in. Do you feel like a failure because you're not living up to a certain idea of what you should do? Do you feel like a failure because you failed? And then the last is, is there anything I'm trying to prove to God or others? Now, this is like really real because nobody really knows your motive. Nobody really knows what's going on in the depth of your heart. Just like you don't know what's going on in the depth of my heart. So this is just an opportunity to be real before God. Are you trying to prove anything to Him? And is that rooted in performance and not faith in Christ? And this isn't just for people who don't follow God. You can be a Christian and still live like this. And this can plague your spiritual life. So I encourage you, take, take an inventory. And in the midst of all that, God wants us to respond with God. You are God. Help me to not want to perform, but help me to want to know you and do your will. That's our response. I want to make you the God of my life. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up in prayer as the, the band comes up. And your completed connection card, go ahead and drop that in the offering as, as that comes by. I'm going to be taking a break from speaking the next three weeks. And so I just want to let you know that next week we're going to have uh, Thad Lanthrop come. Uh, Thad is the administrative uh, pastor of Church in the Valley, and he's over at Diamond Bar for most of the time. And he's going to come, and he's actually never been here. And so I said, if you're going to come, why don't you speak? And he is. And so he's going to be speaking next week, and then we're going to be kicking off uh, after that a new series called The Seasons of Life. And uh, Thad's going to wrap up Box Ups Wisdom, and then the Seasons of Life is going to kick off looking at, in each stage of your life, what, what are the things that God wants you to learn, like in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and beyond? What are things you need to focus on, not focus on? So that should be fun. And John Rickert's going to speak about the 20s on July 12th, and then Jeep Underwood is going to speak about the 30s on July 19th. So these are guys that are going to be speaking about the decade that they just left, and just unloading all that they've learned. So look forward to, to hearing from them. So let's pray together. God, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name. And you are God. You cannot be replaced. You cannot be redefined. And you can't, cannot be manipulated in any way. And so we recognize you and your power and your holiness. There is none like you. And God, I pray that if we're trying to prove our own worth, and as we're trying to perform to make you happy or to make others happy, God, give us humility to realize that we, we cannot be the center. We cannot perform and prove our value. Our value comes from you and you alone. So God, I pray that you'll just help us to repent of any legalism, of any rule following, of anything that's just not of you, as we try to prove our worth. So God, we, we admit that we are nothing without you. But in you, we can have a righteousness 
based on the sacrifice and life of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for him and the fact that because of him, we're not left to prove ourselves. So we, we invite you to lead and we invite you to show us if there's anything in us that's not pleasing to you. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen.